Support for this podcast and the following message come from Wise, the app that makes managing your money in different currencies easy. With Wise, you can send and spend money internationally at the mid-market exchange rate. No guesswork and no hidden fees. Learn more about how Wise could work for you at wise.com. It's State of Ukraine from NPR News. I'm Steve Inskeep with NPR's best reporting on a war that is changing the world. Did you hear in this podcast a story from a Norwegian town? It's a town way up in the Arctic and on the border with Russia, and that border is now closed. The effects of Russia's war on Ukraine have reached the Arctic, and more effects are on the way. We have news today of a Russian warning against two other Scandinavian nations. Finland is edging toward joining NATO, and Sweden is considering this, moves that would protect them both against Russian invasion. Russia views that as the Western alliance touching another of its borders. And today, a Russian official, Dmitry Medvedev, talked of stationing nuclear weapons near those two countries. Medvedev wrote, The balance must be restored, though it is not clear how repositioning nuclear weapons would do that. Now let's move to the Black Sea, just south of Ukraine. Russian naval forces dominate the Ukrainian coastline, but today there is one less Russian warship there in any condition to operate. An explosion disabled the Moskva, or Moscow. It is, or was, a powerful cruiser. The U.S. Naval Institute says it's built to carry 16 cruise missiles. Our colleague Brian Mann says the only question is what caused an explosion on board. From both sides, as you're hearing from the Russian and Ukrainian officials we're hearing from today, it sounds like the Moskva was substantially damaged. It did have to be evacuated. This is a large vessel, roughly 500 crew members. Uh, And neither story is, is very favorable to the Russians. They say that there was some kind of accidental fire on board that did reach munitions. Uh, They say the fire was eventually contained, but again, a full evacuation of their crew. What the Ukrainians say, officials here near Odessa, where I am now, they say that they launched a couple of Neptune uh, ship cruise missiles at this vessel and struck it successfully. They're claiming uh, that is a major victory uh, over a ship that, uh, that they've been wanting to target throughout this conflict. Well, let's think through the significance of this. This is a guided missile cruiser. It's got 16, as I understand it, uh, cruise missiles on board. They're ship-to-ship cruise missiles, but you can fire them at land. I've seen videos in recent days of cruise missiles being fired from Russian ships onto land targets. So how significant is it that one way or another it was knocked out of action? Well, here again, there are differing accounts. What the Ukrainians say is that this takes out of action roughly one in five uh, cruise missiles that the Russians had available from Black Sea vessels. Uh, If that's accurate, that's some percentage of their strike force that's reduced. But there is, Steve, also a symbolic uh, role here. You'll remember that there was this moment early in this fight when the Moskva, the ship, confronted people on an island and demand that they surrender. Uh, the the people on the island told them in polite terms to, to go to hell, and that's been become kind of a rallying cry. So this, for this vessel to be damaged, again, whether it's from a Ukrainian missile or because of some kind of operator error aboard the vessel, this is a symbolic moment for the Ukrainian side, a, a morale-building moment. And, and again, in a, in a fight where the Russians have had debacle after debacle in terms of, of you know, public perception, not a good moment. So some impact perhaps on the military side, but, but also on the public relations side in this war, uh, a significant moment. Brian, thanks for the update. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Steve. NPR's Brian Mann is outside Odessa, Ukraine. 
Okay, a few hundred Ukrainian refugees are now living in the United States. They include a family in Virginia, a mother and two kids who had to leave Ukraine without their father. Ukrainian men cannot go, so he remained behind. But the family told A. Martinez they received a surprise guest at their new home in Virginia. The surprise guest was Eka's husband and the girl's father. Artem Kolobayev is 34 years old. He's a filmmaker. He was able to use his filmmaker's visa to leave Ukraine temporarily to come to America to celebrate Erica's 16th birthday. So I have the same map in so, Google yeah, with my daughter, so it was easy to find. <laughs> How difficult was it for you not to just tell them what you It was difficult, but I want to make the, this surprise because if I tell them that I have a flight for them, they will be worried about, they will counting the time. So they live their life here and then I just like appears. While his family was safe in America, Artem has been working back home with volunteers from the Ukrainian film industry. They've been delivering medical supplies, clothing, diapers and other necessities throughout the country. Artem says the family had not planned to leave Kyiv, but then the fighting broke out. It, it was Wednesday, 23 of February. It was late night and then we go sleep and we, we just woke up because our friends was calling us oh, yeah. because they was close to where was the first bombs. And then we said just, oh no. And, um... At 5 a.m., I got a phone call from a friend, and she said the war began. And I didn't want to believe that. Our first desire was to stay, not to go. But the next day, there were explosions all around, and our windows were shaking, our furniture was shaking, and we realized we have to go. You said you were shocked, you were surprised. I was in Kyiv from the 12th of February to the 22nd, and everyone that I spoke to was not concerned, it seemed, about Russia. Why weren't you worried? Why weren't you afraid of what was going on with Russia at the border? It was unthinkable to imagine that in the 21st century, somebody would come and bomb a European city. That was impossible to, to, to accept. They all hustled to pack their car and drove hundreds of miles to the Hungarian border. When they arrived, they were behind a long line of cars attempting to get through a checkpoint. When they were two cars away from crossing the border, they realized that Artem would have to stay behind. The Ukrainian government requires men under 60 to stay and fight, and the family knew they would have to split up. We understand that it's uh, no way to cross the border, and I understand uh, there's no way to, to stay in, uh, in Ukraine for the girls. And I said this is the only way. I know that they are... Uh, strong. They are strong. They could do with themselves. Eka, what about for you when you said goodbye to him? Without guarantees that you'd see him again. There wasn't much time for uh, partying and leave-taking. This was a column of cars going through the borderline checkpoint. So it, everything was very quick, and that's how it was. I understand you're trying to sort of pull some emotions out of me. But honestly speaking, at that moment, I was still in that shocked state and did not have any feelings at all. You have to understand that after 
all these experiences, I sort of pulled myself together and it will be very difficult for you to extract any emotions out of me. Why? Why, why would it be difficult? I said everything I could and, and that's how it is. Eka and Erika avoid watching the 24-7 television coverage of the war in Ukraine. Instead, they keep up through social media and what they hear from family and friends back home. Some of the stories are gruesome. Artem told them about reports of Russian soldiers eating neighborhood dogs because the soldiers had run out of food. You're here in the United States, you're safe. And you hear these stories about what's going on in the place that you live. Do you feel relief that you're here or any guilt that you're away from maybe family and friends that are dealing with this? I certainly don't feel any guilt for not being there now. But I can't say I feel any relief for being here either. What I do feel is just despair. I just want to add that if they were doing that to dogs, I don't even want to think about what they uh, have been doing to humans. And I understand there is no return to the way it was before the invasion. Do you see yourself going back? I don't know, and I am trying not to think about it for now. It's too difficult for me now. Erica, what about for you? Do you see yourself going back? Uh, no, I, I like didn't see myself in Kyiv like future uh, at all. And with war, of course, I can't imagine myself there now. How you spell, so, how you say this about your name? Uh, yeah, you can spell America without Erica. So yeah, <laughs> that's like a rule. Erica plans on going to college in America. She wants to go to film school like her dad. The family is in the U.S. on a tourist visa, which means they can stay until September. But Artem is leaving the U.S. to begin the journey back to Ukraine, not just because he has to, but out of a sense of duty to his country. I, I was born in Kyiv. All my, my parents was born in Kyiv. The parents of my parents was born in Kyiv. So I'm like four or five generations from, from Kyiv. And I like my city, but now it's not my city. You know, a lot of uh, checkpoints all around the Kyiv. A lot of people with weapon. All the people with weapon. As we sat in the host family's quiet backyard, Artem held his youngest daughter, Amira, in his arms and kissed her forehead. He knew in a few days he would be back in the ruins of Ukraine. I think that everything will be a memory in one day and we need to, to live uh, in the moment. Uh, I don't know what will be tomorrow. Nobody knows. We, we're trying to stand for Ukraine. We're trying to, to save our country, but nobody knows. Uh, as you see, nobody wants to, to fight with Putin except Ukraine. Is it not even a question for you that you are going to go back? Is not a question for me because I, I don't want to be a illegal man who crossed the border and hang somewhere out of my country. No, it's not for me. Ukrainian refugees talking with our colleague, A. Martinez. The United States has said it will accept a total of 100,000 Ukrainians. This is State of Ukraine from NPR News. You get regular updates in this feed. Milton Gavada produced and Catherine Laidlaw edited this episode. I'm Steve Inskeep.
There are a lot of issues on voters' minds right now. Six big ones could help decide the election. Guns, reproductive rights, immigration, the economy, health care, and the wars overseas. On the Consider This podcast from NPR, we will unpack the debates on these issues and what's at stake. You can listen to NPR's Consider This wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jesse Thorne. Why did Cola Scola write a bonkers, extremely fictionalized play about Mary Todd Lincoln? Well, you know, it was 2020 and we were all so isolated. I, I just started doing research. On, but the truth is, I, no, I just thought of it. We'll talk about that and more on Bullseye from MaximumFun.org and NPR. Why is everyone so obsessed with traditional wives or trad wives on social media? This week, we're talking about the viral videos of women making marshmallows and mozzarella from scratch and how behind the sheen of calm kitchens and cute fits, there's some interesting pessimism about our modern world. And that's worth digging into. Next time on It's Been a Minute from NPR.